Welcome to Connected with Geotab. In this episode, we're replaying a conversation from the 2021 United Nations Climate Change Conference, more commonly known as COP26. Geotab CEO Neil Cause sat down with Professor Sally Eaves, an award-winning international keynote speaker, author, and influencer. They discussed the ways technology is driving change in society and how data can be used for good. They explore how data can create more efficient and sustainable fleets atop a priority for combating climate change. Special thanks to Tomorrow's Tech Today for letting us repost your podcast that originally aired November 17, 2021. Welcome to Tomorrow's Tech Today, bringing you the latest in technology, talent, and transformational change. With me, your host, Professor Sally Eaves. And in today's episode, I'm joined by Neil Kors, CEO of Geotab, a global leader in IoT and connected vehicles. And for me, it's particularly impressive to see social impact embedded right across their 20-year history, especially a commitment to using the power of data to inform, change and create positive change, not only for business, but also for wider societal benefits, particularly sustainability. So with the backdrop of COP26 and the Social Innovation Forum, where we're both actively involved, I couldn't think of a better person to speak to today about the future of sustainable business and doing well by doing good. Welcome, Neil. It's great to have you on the show today. Thank you. Thanks very much for having me. My absolute pleasure. I'd love to start by by finding more a bit about the person behind the technology, as I like to describe it. So, Neil, could you share a bit more about yourself, your role and your work at Geotab and how it's evolved so far? Sure. Um, As you can probably hear from my accent, um, I was originally born in South Africa. My original training is as an engineer. Always had this kind of uh, goal in my mind to be an entrepreneur we were one of you know three boys and a girl and um, started a company in South Africa, which I eventually sold. And then uh, Tammy and I wanted to get married and I uh, wanted to immigrate to have kids. So we immigrated to Canada and then started Geotab up in Canada, really working out of the basement as an opportunity for the rest of the family to kind of come over, get them a job, and then really built it up from there. You know, my perspective on life is always to kind of think long term. And so, you know, we kept this little company going for the longest time, you know, very small, built out of the basement, not thinking that North America would really be looking for what we had to offer. And then, you know, seeing it kind of flourish and grow from there. I love your ethos there, either the family development of this as well, but also you know the positive change ethos as well. So I think it comes through really strongly with you know our conversations so far as well. It's been fantastic to see that kind of shared value development of a business. Absolutely. It's quite interesting. I mean, you know, I mentioned before that we really care about the longer term and you'll see that in the, in the focus of the company where everything that we do is not about the money and making money in the short term or doing something quick. It's about doing something right, doing it properly, uh, caring about what the customer cares about. And really, that's just an extension of that. I think that, you know, if we all care about, you know, the future of this planet and we have kids and we believe, you know, that that's the most important thing, then everything that we do should really be oriented around that. And, you know, that's, you know, just an extension of that theory. Very much that kind of leaving the world a better place philosophy. And we've had so many different drivers of change coming together in recent times. So the obvious one being things around the pandemic over the last 18 months or so. But I think other things as well, you know, geopolitical is one example, um, but also focus around sustainability issues as well. Things like conscious consumerism too. 
What are you seeing as the biggest drivers of change at the moment that's affecting Geotab, but also business more broadly? Yeah, look, I think you're absolutely right. We are in, you know, unprecedented times. I mean, I guess throughout history, history does go through major changes, but certainly the pandemic in some sense has made everybody reevaluate their priorities, which I think is a good thing. I think that we're looking at ourselves, our place in this world, and many of us are going, well, now is the time to start reevaluating and thinking about that. We have this kind of sense that technology can fix anything, right? I mean, we certainly know that technology creates its own problems, you know, social media and the distribution of information and a bunch of other issues. And maybe we could argue that this global warming is in some indirect way created because of technology. But I think we all realize we're going to have to rely on technology to help us get through this. You know, we do realize that, you know, one person can't change the world, but we can do our little bit, though, to bring consensus. If we can bring everybody along, making sure that people start believing in science, making sure that people, you know, care about the longer term view, we really need the politicians to be thinking longer term. I think if we all kind of contribute to that, we can all bring everybody along ready for that ride. You know, our technology for vehicles can truly uniquely change transportation. I mean, this is the thing that really gets us up in the morning and makes us excited. You know, we're not working for a bank or, you know, just doing something, producing something. We realize that given the way technology works, that we are uniquely placed to be able to make a difference to companies in the world. We need to take that bold step. I mean, our product has traditionally been used for things like productivity and safety. Certainly could be used for some elements of sustainability. But we realize after seeing it being deployed in some of our large fleets, that truly, if we choose at Geotab to focus on helping customers in their sustainability journey. If we put an effort on saying, listen, this is the product that's going to help you. We can have an overweight impact on this world. We can all do our own little bit, but imagine if you could take that and you could make it 10,000 fold because you can do it for 10,000 customers. So to me, that is truly exciting um, and something that really drives us. And it drives all of us at Geotab. You know, we get up in the morning and we know that we're here to do a job and that it is going to make a difference. So, yeah. I love that. I think it's a great example of how data can drive great decision making, isn't it? And bringing those different elements together, as you mentioned, they're right across the ecosystem, really, from business to government to policymaking and consumers, of course, as well. And a great example as well of an organisation kind of using your sphere of influence, you know, to really help support that, enable others along that journey as well and showing how every element can come together and make a difference. Love that. Neil. that's a great way to kind of set the scene to, to what you're about. I love that. Thank you. And I'd love to get into a little bit more about some specifics as well. So I've seen some of the six pillars that you've described. I like kind of talking in pillars. So around productivity, around optimization, safety, compliance, expandability. And of course, our main theme today around sustainability as well. I'd love to explore how that is really creating shared value. So with your consumers, but also the ecosystem we were discussing as well. So how can you enable good business that's also shared value, sustainable business at the same time? Yeah. So, I mean, when we originally started building the product, we understood that there's verticals and you have people using it in so many different ways. You could have a company that does deliveries, you could have a construction company, you know, somebody that does services. And we realized pretty quickly that there were some, you know, strong common themes around best practice here, what people could use it for. And telematics really is about data. Now, people have talked in the past about you know, data is the new oil and it's really going to make a difference. Well, I'm here to tell you that, that it's time has arrived. You know, we were talking about it maybe six, 10 years ago going, oh, well, IoT is coming and, you know, the internet of everything and we're going to be using data and machine learning to do all these great things. But I can truly tell you that finally we're starting to see the benefits of that. So if you look at the pillars, 
I mean, they really start with kind of, you know, productivity you mentioned, which is making sure that people are more productive. And even in that sense, if you can be more productive, well, you can do more work doing less. And that in itself means that you're driving less distances potentially, you're more time to do other things. So that's in, in itself a benefit. Fleet is really around making sure that we can look after the vehicles. So even the old vehicles like gas vehicles, if the engine lights on or they're not tuned properly, well, we can help with that. We can replace the tires and make sure that they're well-maintained. We can also help with things like routing to make sure that we're not routing people you know, in, inefficiently. You know, We see in many businesses that just by taking a smart look at what you're doing with where you're going and how you're driving, you can cut down that driving time by 30%. So you're saving 30% fuel, 30% time really makes a, a lot of sense and then, you know, you mentioned expandability, so we can tie it into all your systems so you don't waste time and compliance. But it really does come down to that final pillar, sustainability, where if you apply a data-driven approach to thinking about what you use the vehicles for, why using those vehicles, what are the roles that those vehicles play, you can select the very best vehicles in order to make sure that those vehicles are the ones that you should change over to EV. And we can help you in that journey to make sure that you pick those correct vehicles and then manage those vehicles properly once they've been converted to EVs. Because, you know, I actually remember hearing, reading in the newspaper about, you know, the first set of BMW i3s that were provided to, I believe it was the LA police force. And this is going back maybe five, six, seven years. And they provided 30, 40 of these BMW i3s. And then there was a whole exposure on the news where they were saying, Nobody was driving these things. They were never charged. They were left there. Nobody wanted to use them because they were worried about range anxiety. And it was an absolute failure. And so really our place in all of this is to make sure that companies can use the data to do a great job in their first baby steps towards doing this right thing, right? Um, by their sustainability journey. And so what we're seeing is that very much transportation is the greatest sector to start. If you think about it, the number one producer of carbon is construction, so cement production. Not much that we can do about that. But number two is transportation. And frankly, there is an awful lot that we can use this technology and data for in order to minimize that. So if some company says, my shareholders are demanding that I have a good sustainability program, my customers are demanding it, in fact, my employees are demanding it, CEOs are demanding it, this is a great way, inexpensive, with indirect benefits, you know, being able to help people reduce costs in many sense. To me, it's a little bit of a no-brainer. I'm not saying anybody has to pick Jirta, but I'm saying it's just a general business principle that you cannot manage what you don't measure. And let's start by measuring what we're doing, how we're employing our vehicles, what they do, how they operate, where we're actually burning the carbon, where we're producing carbon. Use that data to then make an informed decision to say, well, that's what I'm going to pick first, and this is how I'm going to do it. And then I have a proper concrete plan, and then I can measure the results of my plan. I've got a feedback loop. I can say, well, by changing that, I was able to achieve that. So I'm going to do more of that and less of that. And that's really the kind of vision behind Geotab and what we're trying to, to hopefully do. Great point, Sarah. I think that one on measurement is an absolute imperative. I think with social impact in particular, that's always been where some of the gaps have been in terms of really scaling change in this area. I mean, you're addressing that head on, but also in a way that kind of equates that shared value business, I said, right at the start. And that's where we're going. Actually, organisations that invest in sustainability by design well, it will almost be the new competitive advantage because of all those demands you were saying there. Consumers are demanding it. Stakeholder partners are, de are demanding it. We're even starting to see KPIs at C-suite level now with remuneration you know, linked to delivering on these types of impacts as well. 
it has to be the way forward. And it's kind of that example of doing well by doing good in many respects. So I think that's superb what you're describing there. And really the facilitation that you're doing to help make that reality for different partners, I think is superb. And I'd love to explore a little bit more about, you touched on it a bit there, about data for good. So Sandy, I just want to say that, you know, in our board meeting, I remember having this conversation. I mean, we took the leap towards sustainability a long time ago. You know, me personally, I think I drove the first hybrid Priuses that were ever available and every model that you know, that I passed it down to my mom and my wife and, and then, then the Chevy Volt when it first came available and the very first Tesla really fundamentally believe in the whole concept behind this. What we had is we had a board meeting and I remember sitting discussing an article that came out of The Economist, The Green Revolution, you know, very famous edition where they were talking about the, this whole concept of the fact that companies must start realizing that if they take the sustainability route, true sustainability, not greenwashing, if they follow in those footsteps, that it is good business. And it's so it's one of the worst things that we're seeing today where we're still seeing money being spent on searching for petroleum, right? We're we'll getting money, governments are allocating funds and tax relief for companies that are producing petroleum where we stuck in that old mode when we realize that actually good business, if you want the jobs of the future, that we should be cutting all of that and we should be focusing on this green technology. And at Geotab, when we had this board meeting, we sat down, we rationalized all of this and we said, you actually can feel really, really good for the first time ever knowing that not only following the right moral correct solution for your business has now become something that is good for your shareholders. And I just wish more companies would realize that more quickly and get on the bandwagon there. Absolutely, Neil. I've got a total alignment around that. I think that's a it's a hugely important point to make. And so I'm glad you brought that to the fore as well. Like-minded thinking there. I think that's brilliant. And, and kind of supporting that, actually. Let's dive in a little bit more around data as this catalyst for good as well. And that shared value proposition we've been talking about today. And I know you've got this in a number of different areas. So you've touched on a little bit maybe around the fleet optimization, but also things around driver safety as well, um, electrification, et cetera, battery range even. There's a lot of examples. Could you share some more about that, even the pilot project you've been involved in recently as well to help bring some of these concepts to life? Absolutely. Now, data is interesting. I mean, I, I mentioned before data is the new oil. I don't really see data as being like oil. We see data is a little bit like teaching somebody a new skill. Because the funny thing about data is that you don't damage it by passing it on. So if I had, for example, have access to data and I learned something from that data, if I pass it on to you, I still have learned everything that I've learned about the data. And it doesn't hurt me in any sense passing that data on to you where you can learn something too from that data. So the way we see data is that we need to have an ecosystem built around data. Now, obviously, Front of our mind is always this concept of privacy, making sure that the data is anonymous. Like this is truly data for good and aggregation and making sure that we can never be de-anonymized. So, you know, obviously people's rights and privacy comes absolutely first and that must never be violated. But the power of this data is so um, astronomical and you'll see in the examples that I give you that we can't keep it locked up in a room somewhere. We need to bring it to the fore, make it available for, you know, frankly, governments and companies to, to take advantage of. So. First thing is there's an ecosystem. So we've got to build out that ecosystem. We've got to make sure that just like any other ecosystem, it's rich and it's varied. And we really do believe in competition there to make sure that that happens. We need to educate the ecosystem on data and sustainability. And then we need to make that data available. So let me give you some examples of how that works. Now, obviously, having two and a half million vehicles driving around, when you start aggregating the behavior of those vehicles, you can start doing interesting things. Like, for example, we know under what circumstances accidents occur. We know where the more dangerous intersections are. So one example of a really powerful data set is let's aggregate 
where the most dangerous intersections are, where people are more likely to have an accident. So we can go back to the towns and cities and say, look, have a look over here. You really need to signpost it or, you know, change the traffic lights. So that's, you know, one example. The other thing is movements of goods. So we know where goods are moving from and to. So if you want to plan your cities well, if you want to know how to build the city of the future, the smart city, you know, that is less polluted, that is more friendly towards, you know, people walking around and, and lifestyles, you can build it using knowing exactly what's happening. The other one that is important is if we are going on this very important journey towards sustainability, we need to start looking very carefully at the data to understand, for example, how many destination charges do we need for all these electric vehicles? Um, what we're finding is the diametric opposite. And even today, frankly, you know, um, you know, having conversations with people who are saying, our problem, our mistake is we don't have enough EV charges everywhere. You know, we, our data is showing a little bit of the opposite. And that is that the only practical way to fuel an EV is to have it charged overnight. So what you shouldn't be focused on is putting charges, you know, at the coffee store where I'm going to be there for five minutes, where I'm not going to be able to fuel my vehicle at all, but I should be focused on making sure I get enough power and I get charges to every single person's home location. And to me, that's an example of where, where the data comes in. The other thing that we did is because we have such a large pool of EV vehicles, we started analyzing battery degradation for fleets and created a data set that we made available to show under which of the makes and models where there is battery degradation, what level of degradation is there, so that companies can look at this and realize that there is such low levels of battery degradation. We were all terrified. Our cell phones only last, you know, 12 months or something. And so we think, hold on, we, you know, we're buying an expensive electric car and it's going to last 12 months. We're showing the exact opposite. So companies can now feel comfortable going in and putting that data and now knowing that they can buy these electric vehicles without any problem. Now, all of those data sets we make available on data.geotab.com, many of them for free. Again, to try and encourage universities around the world, you know, big cities like New York City use our data sets, cities in Europe. And one example of one that we've done that really highlights kind of how strategically people can leverage this data is something that we ran recently. We worked with Enterprise Fleet Management, which is one of the largest fleet management companies in North America, to run what we call EV suitability assessment or EVSA, which is basically just a way of saying, I'm going to look at all the vehicles and what the vehicles do on a daily basis, like where are they driving, how fast are they going, what loads are they carrying, what routes do they follow? And we're going to analyze which of those over 91,000 vehicles are the best vehicles to be moved over to EVs. And by doing that, we can make sure, again, that we have a very successful program and we can make it a no-brainer. Listen, you're going to get a cost payback in you know, a couple of years by just switching that particular role over to EVs. And when we analyzed it, we could see that, you know, near-term electrification could achieve a total potential saving of $33 million. So there's the money side of it, but also more importantly, 194,000 tons of CO2 emitted over four years. So really, again, those are examples of using the data, showing the customer, this is practical, this is cost-effective, this is doable. That is the make and model that you should use. Those are the charges you should stick in that location. There's your payback monetarily. Like, here we go. We've given you a roadmap, a step-by-step -step roadmap to get from the world that you live in today, which is all ICE vehicles and, and carbon producing to, you know, a carbon-free world. And that's what excites me. But that's one powerful example then of data for good. Love it. Honestly, it's so tangible, which is exactly what I wanted to hear. I think it will encourage so many to show the art of the possible made real in, in so many different respects. That's huge. So A, so tangible, but also an example, what you were saying about open data sharing as well, about how that can be a catalyst for good as well and encourages, you were saying, wider collaboration with universities and other kind of co-creative partners as well. 
so, so important. And I just love to ask a little bit more about the culture at Geotab as well, because there seems such a shared commitment to delivering all these areas. And I always think for me, it's not just about the technology, it's culture, it's education, it's skills enablement. All these things always come together to, to inspire this kind of, not just the ideas, but actualizing them, which is clearly what's happening here. Could you give us a peek behind the scenes around the culture as well? I'd just love to hear a bit more about that people side. Yes, for sure. Geotab, you know, we have more than 2000 people in the company now, which is a large number of people. But We've operated and continue to operate this business as a family business. The only people who own shares in the company are people who work in the company. We've never taken on outside capital, which I think very much changes the culture, right? So we're not driven by how much money you're going to produce for somebody. You know, we're driven by our shared values. You know, I mentioned before, you know, that the kind of philosophy that we have is very much a do good and do it right for the long-term philosophy. And I don't say that with a trying to paint this story that, you know, uh, we're so fantastic and that this is kind of greenwashing in another sense. Truly in our hearts, there are example after example of where we have chosen the high road. We have chosen to make less money. We've made decisions that are better for the long run. And even when it boils down to small examples, like there was a very, very large North American, you know, food distribution company. And I remember going down into the offices, we get together with them every six months and we tell them what's the latest on telematics and we try and solve their business problems together. And I remember walking in the door and Mike, he looked at me and he had a big smile on his face and he was so excited to tell me that, you know, they love Geotab so much, they want to stick Geotab on all of their, you know, 250,000 trailers. And he was so excited. He said, listen, you know, we're going to stick your products and all this. And and he could kind of see my mouth dropped a little bit and, and I looked at him and I said, listen, Mike, I truly, really appreciate it. I just, I want to tell you that we're not the right product to go on trailers. You know, we can work with you on finding one of our competitors' products that can go on there. And ultimately, that would be the best thing. We'll integrate the data in for you. We'll get it all going. And you know what? It was the best thing for the customer. And, you know, obviously, Geotab lost a lot of business there. But that's perfectly the right thing to do. And you know what? He has never, ever forgotten that. And that company has been a partner for Geotab for a long time. And I think that's where it starts. And then, you know, it ultimately ends up in this kind of long-term philosophy of this kind of do good, make sure that we do it for the right purposes. So it boils down to the people. At the heart and soul of everything that Geotab is, is the people. You realize that we're not a building. We're not even the device that we use. We're, we're none of that. We are the people of the company and making sure, you know, that we understand as people, you know, that we all have you know, goals, that we want to have fantastic careers, that we want to be treated with respect, you know, that we want, we want to have shared identity, but we want to have differences of opinion. We want to be able to talk to one another about those differences of opinion. You know, we've got to figure out how to manage ourselves together. And to me, what's always fascinating is, you know, as somebody who's been more of an engineer, who's focused on more of the technology side of things and less on the emotional intelligence side of things, it's been a transition to go from thinking of the world, you know, I think of the, the company now as, like a human body. And it's up to me to make sure that the heart isn't too big for the lungs and that the blood that flows between all the organs, the rich information that needs to flow throughout the body happens. And then we're moving things around and that the people inside the organization are happy and growing and content and they're working well together and they're gelling. And, and I think if you think about it like that, it helps. But you know, that's really some of the things that underline the culture and the kind of shared sense of purpose at Geotab. I love that. Honestly, you express that so beautifully. That's really lovely to hear. And that tangible example of what that looks like in practice as well. Superb one. I think a lot of people can learn from that. I think that's absolutely fantastic. So thank you for sharing that. And and following on on that kind of personal aspiration point as well. 
obviously we're at the heart here of, of COP26 and also the Social Innovation Forum as well, which I know you're speaking at in a number of sessions as well as, as a company, which is fantastic. But I'd love to know from yourself, you know, what's your personal take, your kind of aspiration about what can be achieved from, from this event and this kind of correlation of events coming together, you know, this dialogue to action? Um, what's your aspirations around this and potential things we should be aware of along the way as well? Yeah, that's good. And I mean, look, this kind of conference is so important. It is really a key thing to get everybody together to have these discussions. And I think that, you know, <clears throat> it's maybe not always what you think it is, right? So yes, there's lots of aspirational talk. There's lots of people going, we need to do something about this. And there's lots of people getting up on the stage and, you know, making proclamations about we're going to do something. But I think what's actually more important about what's going on here is the stuff that you don't always hear a lot about. One of them is exposing some of the unexpected things that you're not sure you understood something being one way and you actually find out it's another way. So for example, you know, the statement that was made, you know, in Australia about the fact that if there's somebody to buy oil, we're going to sell oil, right? The challenges that maybe China is having with saying, well, you know, we're going to take our time to move over, but, you know, nuclear power is maybe the solution to this. And now we've got 150 nuclear power plants that we planned. And that bringing together a different perspective saying, hold on, you know, maybe we need to work a bit more with the Australians, or maybe we need to look at what the Chinese model is and say, we shouldn't be so scared of nuclear power. Maybe nuclear power can actually truly help us in our journey to be more green. We understand there's some challenges, but that's a far more manageable challenge than it is destroying our planet. And we've got to prioritize here. And I think that that's really the hidden benefit. It's opening up these discussions. It's making sure that these smart public people get in the room, big companies, government, and they have the debates and they think clearly about it. To me, you know, other than bringing great awareness, some of the things that I'm really excited about is actually a small thing, but to me, it's important. This IFRS standard that was bought around making sure that we can look at um, managing, monitoring properly, you know, our progress towards sustainability. Because, you know, to me, I am super wary about greenwashing. And, you know, to me, if you choose not to have a policy in your company that says that you're going to focus on sustainability. You know, that is your choice. But do not make the statement to the world that you are a sustainable company and you believe in sustainability and then all you're using it is as a marketing tool. I just, I don't know, I have a real problem with companies that do that. And so I think that something as simple as, you know, an IFRS standard that links into our accounting standards that basically makes sure that we have a way of proving to our shareholders that we have a way of proving to our owners, you know, to our customers, that we truly are being sustainable is a very powerful thing. And I think it's going to galvanize, you know, the world together to making sure that uh, we can do that properly. The other thing that I'm really excited about is the fact that companies are coming together. This isn't about competition. This is about helping one another, right? We actually realize this is an existential threat. This is not about us versus them. This is about educating one another. I mean, the fact that Amazon you know, got up on a, on a panel with us. And Amazon doesn't talk about who their suppliers are. But Neil Emery, you know, was passionate about saying, listen, this is an existential thing. This is something that we need to talk about. We need to tell the world, listen, we have Amazon have taken the first steps and we're a large fleet, one of the largest in the world. So we can tell people, you know, some of the lessons learned along the way. And if I can do a little bit to help other companies take that step forward, of course, I must get up there and I must start talking about it. And really, you know, I think those are the kind of hidden benefits that we're seeing out of COP and that really excite me about the progress. And we just need to see more and more of these kind of conferences. 
dialogue matters, doesn't it? It really does. Those diversity of experiences coming together, understanding it from a different point of view. That's how we can start to come together and make better progress. And you're absolutely right, sharing those learning experiences and other examples of kind of coming together as well. So the Clean Air Alliance, for example, that was announced um, a couple of days ago as well. I think another great example there, 10 organisations supporting one another again. So we're having this more co-creative approach to biggest challenges of our time. And it's kind of almost like that model we saw with things like the HPC consortium as well. You know, we're, we're organisations that traditionally compete I think it's like the 11 biggest tech companies, but also alongside universities, research um, organizations, citizen scientists, governments, et cetera. They all came together you know, with the power of high performance computing to tackle you know, the COVID challenge and accelerate the curve on vaccine development. We need to do the same thing you know, about other challenges like sustainability. I think we're starting to see those times of you know, frameworks coming together, organizations coming together and understanding different points of view and bringing them together. So I think you really elucidated that really, really clear. I love that. Couldn't agree more. It's absolutely critically important. And this year does feel different, I think, as well. So, yeah, love that. Thank you. And talking about that a little bit more as well. So I mentioned um, just now about the Social Innovation Forum as well. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the sessions that Geotab's involved in and your role in this critical forum. Yeah, I mean, really what we're trying to do is a couple of things. In the one sense, it's to talk about the goals that we need to set as companies. And we understand that our position is a little bit unique in that we have an overweight impact on our product. So if we can make our product more geared towards helping companies be sustainable, if we can you know, give them the technology building blocks that they need to count their carbon, to manage their carbon, to reduce their carbon footprint for transportation, obviously everything we do there is, is multiplied by 100,000. But we cannot put our hand on our heart and go, you know, at the end of the day, oh, well, we can pollute and we can do whatever we want, but because it's okay, because we're sitting there and giving people product that, you know, helps them not pollute. So, you know, the very first step is we need to make our own commitments. We need to show other companies that this is the right thing to do, you know, by making that kind of commitment climate pledge that we will be carbon neutral by 2040 and it will be 50%, you know, reduction in carbon from our 2019 levels by 2030. And the other thing is just showing people how we're going to measure it. And that this isn't just a fuzzy target and, you know, a bit of marketing material. It's going to be every single year we're going to come back and we're going to go, well, this is what we did this year. We're measuring our scope one, two, and three emissions, you know, being concrete about it. So I think talking about that at SIF is important. I think the next thing is talking about the value of data. You know, we in our own organization see how important it is for running our own company well, how we look at data, right? Our decisions around how we build our product to help with sustainability, what features we add, you know, how customers are using, you know, our systems and how we can make them, their operations better. Everything that happens is really data driven. And so trying to educate governments who I understand at this stage wouldn't really get it. I mean, they say, oh, we need to add more charges, go and add more charges. Okay, we need to do a rebate. Let's add a rebate. Great. But like, where is the feedback? What are you measuring? What rebates is going to get you how many electric vehicles and you know, is that the best place to be spending and where are you going to put the charges and how's it going to work? So just really the encouragement around making sure that people leverage that data. And then any of the learnings that we can offer in the transportation sector, as we said before, like there are other polluting sectors for sure, but transportation is just such a low hanging fruit. Like let's go after the low hanging fruit first because we can see quick gains, we can see quick wins there. I mean, so really just expanding to the world, whether that involves Geotab or not is absolutely irrelevant. You know, just use our data sets, they're free. Um, it's not about, you know, a goal to get a geotab device in every vehicle. It is, you know, for everybody involved in telematics 
they're going to they're going to benefit from it. But also just showing people again that value of data and how they can take those first concrete steps. I think that's the daunting part for most companies is how do I take that very first step? I know I want a sustainability program, but I don't even know where to begin. And so hopefully some of the sessions that we've had here have helped companies think about that. I think that's an important point. You know, I think sometimes with some of these SDG type related challenges, they can be quite complex and interrelated and kind of classic messy kind of problem, as they would say in, in research circles and things. So breaking that down, showing the tangible steps you can take bit by bit, I think is a huge part of kind of helping to address these challenges. So I think it's making great inroads there. And I love the way that you present that. I think it's such a positive way of kind of using sphere of influence in a way that's genuinely supporting others and kind of that education process alongside the technology solutions is absolutely huge. So that's fantastic to hear. And I'll come back to your report later as well. I think it's a great example of not just transparency around these measures, but also commitment and accountability coming together. So I think that's superbly important. Um, I'd like to come back to one other area, which is around kind of the scalability of impact as well. So again, thinking about the discussions that are going on this week at the moment, what's your take on maybe the next major step that we need to take together around actualizing more ESG, extended ESG impact at scale, so the scalability impact? I think that that's a little bit about what we talked about, which is really that we need to collaborate together here. We all have pieces of the key, if you like, right? We, some of us know how to shape the front of the key. Some of us you know, have this little tooth on the key. And it's only together when we assemble it in one final key that we can go and unlock the key. No one goes us alone. Geotab is trying hard to work with governments, to work with businesses. You know, We're doing the calling there to make sure that we get call on companies to do the climate change. I think that you know, this does bring an important point, which is that this is not just about climate change. We're going to use this to be an umbrella for for ESG, for a non-greenwashing version of ESG. We're going to think about all of the things. While we're doing this, let's do this properly, right? Let's run through, you know, everything that we need to contemplate. There's a lot of injustices in this world. There's a lot that we can do, you know, to bring the impact while we're working on this together. I think that at the end of the day, connected industry enables and improves organization sustainability through data. So that is what this is about. Taking the data working with these companies, holding each other's hands, being transparent and working it through. And I think the transparency is the very, very next step. I think it starts with, at the beginning, an understanding that we have a problem. And I think it's taken the world, maybe far too long, but it's taken the world 10 years, 20 years to come to accept that climate change is real. A lot of climate deniers, people questioning the science in the beginning. You know, science is about questioning itself, right? We only get to the point because it's peer-reviewed and we, we analyze it. But Anyway, we got through that. Now, step one is we accept that we we have a problem. Step two is to have the motivation to do something about the problem. I think step three is then to focus the areas in the right way. So using the data to go, this is what I'm going to do first. This is what I'm going to do second. This is the impact that I'm going to have. And then the next step, frankly, has to be a feedback loop, which is making sure that as we take those steps along the way, that we then measure it. We're honest with ourselves about what we, we did achieve. If it wasn't good enough, that we adjust. If it was good enough, that we do more of the things that were good enough. We follow that cycle and that feedback loop. And then overlaying all of that is transparency. I mean, this is an issue that doesn't just affect my business or the people that work at JITAB. It doesn't just affect you, Sally. It affects the entire world. And I think we owe it to everybody to put this on the table and be fully transparent. And you know, this is where government, in my opinion, in future needs to step up and I believe will step up where when I order something, you know, for, for delivery or I buy something, 
that I have an account of how much carbon was involved in that product A getting to me and B being produced. And I think I want transparency. I want to know in the supply chain where that's going, how that's going. And I want to be able to make low carbon choices. I want to say, you know what? I don't mind that this thing's going to be delivered three days later. I don't need it right now, but I'm happy to take the low carbon choice in terms of getting that delivered. And I think that's really what we need to do and focus on together. I love that. And we, we talked about conscious consumerism earlier a little bit, didn't we? And what you're talking about that is truly enabling that, is enabling that informed choice. So I think that's a huge one. The role of data to help achieve that and also things around, we've touched on it earlier as well, about measurement. You know, that co-innovation, consistency of measurement, et cetera, as well, is hugely important around ESG measures, I think. So I think that's super exciting that you're really supporting this in a very hands-on, tangible way with the actions you've described all throughout our discussion today. I, I love the fact that there's a real focus on not just the talking about these issues, but actual real tangible ways to deliver on changing this and supporting others on that journey as well. So I love to see that. I think that's fantastic. And on that note as well, um, we touched a little bit about your inaugural sustainability report that came out a few weeks ago. I'd love to just give a little overview for the audience about you know, how you've gone about that and really showing about that commitment and accountability we drilled into earlier on, because it's fantastic, I think, leadership in this space about the way you've put that together. Yeah, I actually encourage everybody to really go and take a look at that. Maybe for no other reason than to, to see it as a model, you know, we've got a really great team that deeply cares about sustainability at Geotab. And they've invested very heavily on research, on understanding, you know, what best of breed companies have done. You know, like we did the sustainability pledge, which was co-founded by Amazon. We looked very carefully at that. We looked what other leading companies are doing. We looked at a lot of the United Nations research on what are the categories? How do we go about measuring it? How do we you know, begin our own journey. And I think that the team has put together really an awesome report broken down into some very key sections that are easy to understand around, you know, what we're doing here. You know, initial take was again to make sure to the team that this is, you know, it's nice to have a sustainability report, but this is not about patting ourselves on the back to say, oh, well done, Geotab, you now have a sustainability report. And as good a job as they've done, and they really have done a great job, this is really about highlighting the emphasis and focus that we need to put and the sacrifices that geotabbers and everybody is going to have to make in our achieving those goals because it's fantastic. Like we set these goals and we set all these reduction targets and this is what, but we're going to make sure it happens. And that means you are not going to get on the plane. That means you're not going to have that food. That means we're not going to produce things in that way. You're not going to have that pretty box. You're going to have a brown recycled box or whatever it is, we are going to have to compromise ourselves in every single area of the business. And that's something that we tried to bring out in the report, making sure that we showed how we measured the baseline in 2019 and about some of the areas that we are going to be focusing on over the next couple of years as we cut back and reduce and tune. And frankly, it's a new world. Like we have to hold our suppliers accountable, right? So what we have to do is go, we can't be good at what we're doing if we don't go back to the people who manufacture our products and you know, the stuff that we buy and we say, well, we're not going to buy that unless you give us the breakdown of where, you know, what you're doing on your sustainability journey so that we can, you know, all do this together because it is something that we need to collaborate on together. So, you know, honestly, if, if anybody does get a chance, just go to www.geotab.com forward slash sustainability report. Just have a, have a look through there. You know, we're not the only ones that have produced great reports, you know, you know, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, many of the other large companies have done a great job. But I think you'll find this one less greenwashing. You'll find it more about, you know, fact-based. A recognition, for example, 
that we also have to focus on helping others be more sustainable through our products, but also through mandating that if you want to work with Geotab, you need to have your own program. And I think it's useful data that people should should maybe take away when they think about sustainability themselves. I'm going to use that term sphere of influence again, but you're really delivering on that there about you know, making sure that kind of doing the right thing is embedded in you know partnership choices effectively. I think that's a superb step forward. And I completely back up what you were saying there about the amount of research that's gone into that. It's truly impressive. And, and on that note, actually, I'll, I'll relate to some other research um, with my final question in, in many senses that there's some research that's been developed over a number of years looking at ecosystem effectively. So the latest iteration of this is like quintuple helix, they, they, they call it, in terms of all these different spheres we need to bring together. So, you know, governments, um, big business, startups, legislators, compliance, some um, citizens, citizen scientists, et cetera, academia, all these elements need to come together for the best decision making and, and collective progress effectively. So thinking of that step and a kind of echoes a lot of our conversation today about you know coming together you know we can't do this alone what do you think is the next step there in terms of this coming together you know thinking of 2030 for example the sdgs kind of realization date what do you think we need to do more of to to reach that to close the gaps and come together more strongly you know it kind of reiterates what we've talked about and i just i'll run through some of the points quite clearly the first one is absolutely around ecosystem. So, you know, we said you can't do this yourself. You need to have everybody in the room together to say, government, this is not going to work unless you incentivize EV adoption or, you know, utilities. This is not going to work unless you make sure that I get enough power to my house so that people will put EVs in and they can charge them, right? If we don't have the roads incentivizing, you know, the EV use, you know, as opposed to people using, you know, gases, ga- gas vehicles. If we don't have public utilities, public government, your municipality and your local town buying electric buses, making sure that they're showing the world, leading the way with that, then we're not going to have a good outcome. And um, we're not going to get to where we need to be. So I think first and foremost, the leaders need to lead by example. So we need, you know, the companies of the world who are forward thinking on this, the companies of the world that people look at to take those bold steps. And many of them are companies, consumer-based companies, right? So it's not just the tech companies, but anybody who deals with consumers, frankly, are going to see an awful lot of pressure being brought to bear on them. And they really need to get on that bandwagon right now. So I think it's a combination of one, making sure that we all collaborate in an ecosystem. Two, that the leaders step up and step forward, the leading companies and certainly the governmental leaders step up and step forward. And then, you know, I mentioned before transparency. So we are all now going to have to be accountable. And I encourage every single company to take, create their own report, put their data up, show companies what they're doing. And I am going to suspect very strongly because we're seeing some of the inklings of this as well, that any of the RFPs, the request for proposals or, you know, quotes that come out are going to start mandating that part of the response to any RFP is to please include your sustainability report to show how you're addressing some of these issues. You know, we've seen a little bit of that maybe with COVID where, you know, I know we're mandated, for example, because we deal with US federal government and New York City and City of Toronto, that our contractors have to all be vaccinated because it's in the greater good. I think we're going to start seeing that. And I think, unfortunately, there's going to have to be a mandate around that. There's going to have to be to say, as a company, I'm going to require you to 
have the sustainability program. I'm going to require you to have a program that at least reduces your carbon or a plan on reducing your carbon by X date. And then I'm going to start, things will get tightened up. If this IFRS program, you know, starts kicking in, I'll be able to, there won't be any greenwashing because I'll be able to go back to your accounting statements and I'll go according to an accounting standard spec. I know exactly what you are and what you aren't doing. And so therefore I can make that correct call. So I think that's it. And then, you know, because it's an ecosystem approach, we're collaborating. We're going to be talking. And these more of these conferences, we need to be back in the room in, in a couple of years and we need to be going, well, how are we doing? What other ideas have you got? Let's collaborate. And, and that's what, what I said right at the beginning where, you know, we learn so much from each other, thinking about different points of view and perspectives and, you know, different parts of, you know, what's important here with ESG. So I think that's wonderful. And I think, honestly, if we follow and embark on that journey, and we all just keep talking about this, that when we turn around in 2025, 2030, we would have made great steps forward. I know this is a little bit about, you know, how we had with the ozone hole. And I remember that I was, I was much younger. And I remember thinking at the time, we're not seeing any progress here. Aren't people worried about this? This is going to be a, a really bad thing. And it was just incredible to watch how suddenly, you know, all that work that was happening in the background that you couldn't see really came forward. And all of a sudden, it was just mandate after mandate, shutting it down, shutting it down. No more of the fluorine gases that would damage the ozone, you know, and, and we shut it down. We completely stamped that out. And we can do the same thing here on climate change crisis. I'm absolutely sure of that. And I know that beside this, but behind the scenes, it's, it's actually happening already. And I'm excited to watch over the next 10 years as we all come together and, and fix it. Well, what a great way to end, Neil. Honestly, it's been a fantastic discussion. Such a synergy around action in this space. And I love your points there because not only are they so, you know, so aligned, frankly, but they're so tangible. You know, you're really putting together not just technology, but culture, process, education, skills development, and making things freely available for others and using that sphere of influence in the right way. But also those three pillars of transparency meets with, you know, commitment and accountability as well. And I couldn't agree more. I think all the signs here are of this coming together, this co-creation approach, better use of open data that we're really showing about how connected industry can make a difference and really improving the sustainability trajectory that we're all working on here so so closely and using data as a powerful enablement to do exactly that so thank you so much for your time today for your work you're doing with geotab and for sharing those tangible stories and about the trajectory ahead with us all today i really appreciate it thanks sandy and you know what i want to say to you as well that the work that you're doing is really important understand that the fact that you're getting out there you're the one that is exposing the world to this is a vitally important part of this communication of getting this happening and, and forward and your passion around it certainly comes through. And so it is very much appreciated by Geotab and by everybody, uh, the work that you do here. Thank you, Neil. Really appreciate that. that. That really means a lot. Thank you. And, and thank you all for joining us today as well. And we'll be sharing some more of some of the examples we've spoken about today. Also, the report that was mentioned. I can't iterate enough. It's hugely, hugely significant. A real kind of learning lessons, I think, that we can, we can all adopt and, and help progress on this journey together. So thank you all for listening too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Tomorrow's Tech Today. If you enjoy what we're doing, please subscribe to us and leave a review. It really means a lot. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram and see more behind the scenes video footage on YouTube. Thanks for listening.